Florida A&M has an X factor that can completely alter the landscape of the Celebration Bowl. Oh, yeah. It's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current USA Today, excuse me, contributing writer at USA Today Saints wire thank you for going on this journey with me make it locked on hbcu your first listen of the day every day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives starts with an s and ends with an s today's episode is brought to you by prize picks go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use the code locked on college for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars daily fantasy sports made easy prize picks and we're all over the place today so we'll wrap up today's episode with a little bit of women's basketball talk as university of arkansas at pine bluff gets their first ever victory over a power five school Prior to that, we'll be looking at Shinnis Berry, who has taken a South Carolina state job over Southern and over Texas Southern. Kind of what we expected, but let's look into it now that it's official. But prior to all of it, it's Celebration Bowl week. We'll have our game of the week at the end on Friday, but we'll sprinkle in little topics here and there because the Celebration Bowl is essentially the HBCU Super Bowl and way too big of a game for us to only look at it on Friday. And we're going to look at certain X factors here and there before we dive in on Friday for sure. And I'm trying to get a guest on for Thursday. So the Celebration Bowl is a big deal. and We're going to treat it as such on here. But what is FAMU's X factor? What is FAMU's thing that if they do it, they could change the game? And for me, the X factor for the Florida A&M Rattlers is their ability to run the ball. Matter of fact, I would say that FAMU's ability to run the ball makes them significantly more scary. To me, if they're able to run the ball, it's like Maybelline to some of their flaws. To me, if they're able to run the ball, it completely takes away a hole in their offense. Now you have to be concerned about both the passing game and the running game. And to be clear, this is not the defining part of FAMU's team. I don't go into a game against FAMU and the first thing I'm prepping for is their ability to run the ball. So I want to make sure that's clear. The ability to pass, their dynamic weapons, both at wide receiver, at tight end, their ability to get open. That's the first thing that I'm looking at when trying to corral FAMU. But I'm not looking at this from a game plan standpoint. I'm not looking at this as how can I stop them? I'm looking at what could change the game. And if fam, you can run the ball, I think that that would significantly change the game. Now, maybe I'm old school. Maybe I'm a person who 
because I grew up on a different type of football than is play, than is played now, right? I'm I'm a part of the youth that kind of went through the the change where it became less about running backs and and running backs became devalued. But I was able to watch the old school Pittsburgh versus Ravens. Like I'm I'm not that old, but I'm not that young. You know what I mean? This is the era that I lived through. Though I have also lived through this present era that's all about high flying offense and spreading it out. I've seen both. So maybe call me old school, but doesn't it just feel right when a strong defense is accompanied by a strong running game? And I know that's not necessarily the truth anymore, but that just feels right. It just feels like those two are partners in crime. A great defense, a dominant defense, and that is what Florida AM has. The dark cloud defense has not disappeared since I've been covering the FAMU Rattlers and H- locked on HBC and all of that. It has not disappeared since. And that strong, dominant defense just feels like it should be accompanied by a strong running game. And it hasn't for the majority of the season. But to me, I see the ability to do it. I saw the eight-minute drive to close out. Nine-minute drive, really, because it was 8.53, I think. I saw the eight minute and 53 second drive to close out the SWAC championship game. It doesn't matter that they didn't have their first string running back in. It doesn't matter that Will Hoyt might not even carry the ball in the celebration bowl. It's the mentality. It's the ability. It's it's Bill Parcells once said confidence comes from demonstrative ability. And sometimes you just got to show that you can do it. And I don't know if that offensive line is sitting there thinking, well, that was Will Hoyt, not Jennings. If anything, I'm feeling more confident now that I have my lead back. And it's up to us up front to make sure that we block it up. Do I think you're going to have a nine-minute drive every game? Get out of here. No. No. But at the same time, showing that you could do it against PV should give you the confidence to maybe run the ball even more. That's the thing. For fam use running backs and the running attack to be the X factor, and I say running attack because I wouldn't mind seeing Sharid in there, he did it a lot during the Texas Southern game. I wouldn't mind to see him do it again just as a, a change of pace. I think that would be a very nice addition to the offense that they haven't done as much since that TSU game, and that was in October, right? But if the FAMU rushing attack can be efficient and they can have high frequency, well, that's drastically different. When you look at the Howard running backs, they're going to define the offense. Howard's running back is going to define the game that trio will but fam use running backs they're going to alter the game and that's why they're the x factor whether it's jennings whether it's somebody like sheree maybe it's dean maybe it's yant you have all of these guys but that's the drastic difference see to me fam use running backs are the x factor and different than the howard running backs because howard's running backs are the story of their offense We're going to talk about that triumvirate every time we discuss the offense. Howard's running backs are going to define this game, define that offense. But I believe that FAMU's running backs have the ability to alter the game and alter this offense to make them complete, to make them a full offense that you have to be scared about on the on the ground, through the air. But then also they could cover up some of the flaws that they have that we've seen throughout the game. This right here is the X factor because it can change so much. So as we move forward, we'll get off of the Celebration Bowl for a minute, but we'll get back to it eventually, probably on Wednesday's episode. We'll probably go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and covering the
the celebration bowl tomorrow we're going to have a little bit more focused on grambling in north carolina central unless something big happens right unless something big happens then we'll change some of that but i don't think that it will so tomorrow will be grambling in north carolina central but as we move forward with today because you can't get to tomorrow before we get done with today we're going to move and we're going to look at Chenis Berry because Berry has officially accepted a South Carolina state job. And I question why it took so long. But, hey, this is the result that we always expected. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. And eBay Motors is the best spot for your car. You need to hook it up with some lights need to hook it up with a new alternator you need to look it up with a uh even something as simple as an air filter like the thing about ebay motors for me the thing about let's just talk you and i the thing about ebay motors is everybody wants to have a nice looking car everybody wants to have a nice running car and then everybody wants to have it for a good price see if you're young you're even if you can just remember so when you got your first car, it gets you from point A to B. Well, you can't get from point A to B with the wrong with the wrong parts, right? So put your car in the My Garage section. Just put whatever. It's a 2009 Nissan Sentra. Put that into the My Garage section. And then you'll find all the parts that are made for you. Guaranteed fit. If it doesn't fit, you can get your money back, but it's going to fit. So you don't even need to worry about that. But it's that simple. Put your, your, your Nissan Sentra into the My Garage. Find the alternator. Find the bumper. Find the headlight. Find the spark plug. Like find everything that is perfectly fitted for your car. Go to ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. Remember to check out the Locked on Sports Today stream, 24-7 live stream. Nobody else has done it ever. First of its kind, Locked on Sports Today. Check it out any time. Now, as we continue with the episode, we're going to be looking at Chinnis Berry. And I'll say this to every single South Carolina State Bulldog you're welcome. You won't thank me. You won't thank me. You won't sit up here and, and hop in the comments and say, I appreciate your mouth of the South, but you're welcome. Because I word on the street, right, from the people I talk to, when I posed the question, what's taking Chinnis Berry so long? Buddy Pugh said, yeah, what's taking Chinnis so long? I'm about to press that pressure button. And he pressed that pressure button and it got done. All right. that Take it what you want to take it. I said it and now it's here. So you're welcome. I think we all knew this was going to happen, though. I think we all kind of felt like this was going to happen. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't convey otherwise on, on the last time. If you go back and check it out and then come back and let me know, or if you already checked out the episode, I think that might have been last, man, I think it might have been last Tuesday, last Wednesday. Yeah, I think it might have been last Wednesday, actually. Um. And I'll, I'll tag it. I'll tag it up here. Right. So that we can have the uh, so that you can click it so that you can. Be, oh, let's go look to see what he said. But and that's on the YouTube side. But here's my thing. Is I, I didn't want it to make it seem like I thought it was unlikely. I just think that it wasn't as much of a foregone conclusion. I think that was the time in between. I think that a lot of us kind of just assumed this was going to happen. And we were right. 
But I think we kind of assume that both parts really wanted this to happen. I think that we kind of assumed that Chinis Berry, or excuse me, that South Carolina State was just waiting for Chinis Berry to say yes. And Chinis Berry was waiting for South Carolina State to offer the job. And I don't think that ended up being the truth. I think that South Carolina State was clearly waiting for Chinis Berry to say yes. We were right on that side of the equation. On that side of the equation, they wanted Barry. It made logical sense. He's already in, in South Carolina. It just made a lot of sense. And South Carolina State saw that. But I don't know if Barry was just like, yeah, this is just where I want to go. It's almost like the alma mater position, right? So if you're an alma mater, a lot of times like, yeah, I'm taking this job. All you have to do is offer it. I don't believe that that's how Barry looked at it. I think Barry saw his situation and said, okay, let me weigh my options. And I do believe that Southern coming open kind of changed things. And I don't know if he's the guy that the Southern AD is saying wanted too much money. I'm not, I'm not counting pockets, right? I don't even know if we're going to discuss that because I don't know how much of a, I don't know how much of a range that that topic has. But maybe Barry's like, do I want to go to Southern? I don't think that Texas Southern was much consideration. I'll be honest with you. Um, I think that he had a personal tie to Southern and he had a local kind of geographic tie to South Carolina state. And I think that TSU was pitching third in that just to be honest, if I had to guess off of things that I have no idea about, I have no idea about this. Um, but for me, I think that Barry had to weigh his options. And when he did, he realized that South Carolina state is where he wanted to be. Maybe I wasn't helping that. Maybe, maybe I wasn't who, who knows. Right. But <laughs> But I think that that was the ultimate decision making. Let me see all of my options because this wasn't a foregone conclusion that this is just where I, I wasn't just desperate. It wasn't my dream job to be the South Carolina state head coach. Right. I think that it's a good opportunity. And because it's a good opportunity, I'm going to take it. But that's drastically different than a dream job scenario. Right. Um, but where do we go from here? Because I do like it. I do like the hiring. I wanted him at, at Texas Southern. So I'm not going to you know, throw water on the flame. Now I like the timing of it because it's December 10th. Now let's see December 11th. Now the early college, uh, football kind of transfer portal, the signing day, early national signing day, December 20th. He's been there for over a week. So you're looking at probably about a week and a half. I think, you know, may maybe nearly two weeks, almost a full two weeks that he's been at South Carolina state. That's not enough time for him to get a full recruiting pitch and all of that done. But it wouldn't shock me because people said that Buddy Pugh wasn't going to be a part of getting a new coach. And then Buddy Pugh was completely a part of getting a new coach. Maybe the biggest part. I don't have all the inside workings, but I, knew that, I do know that Pugh was recruiting Barry. It wouldn't shock me if those kids that Pugh has recruited as an early signee, maybe some of the guys he's talked to throughout the season or before the season or whatever, and the transfer portal guys that are already connected to South Carolina State, if he's helping recruit them and pitching Chennis Berry, because he recruited Berry the same way that he might have recruited some of these kids, right? I don't think it goes off into the spring or anything, but it wouldn't shock me if even for this one recruiting cycle, Buddy Pugh is heavily involved as a, hey, I endorse this system. I'm not here, but I endorse this. It wouldn't shock me if that were the case. It would make a lot of sense. He has a lot of love for South Carolina State. He endorsed Chinnis Berry himself. And really, those two go together to create the scenario where he probably wants what's best. 
and he's at the AD position for who who knows how long. As long as he's at the AD, he's working. As long as Chinis, or excuse me, as long as Buddy Pugh is at the AD, he's working. Maybe some of that working is also recruiting. Wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me the other way, but I'm probably leaning more towards him being slightly involved in endorsing the program to some of the kids that he's already recruited. So I like the timing of it there. And then the next thing is, if you're if you're a current running back at South Carolina State, you should be happy because he has a history, a strong offensive line play. That should make you happy. Good protection, good push. You like that. Quarterback should like it because you're not going to get sacked. But let's look at the running backs for a second. You look at Tillery at Southern, all-time leading rusher in SWAC history, SWAC single-season record for a rushing yards. You're looking at a guy in Shinnis Berry who has been successful running the ball in multiple places, whether you're looking at the SWAC, the MEAC, the SEAC, doesn't matter. He's been able to run the ball in all of these places. So as a running back, and they have a good amount of running backs, you should be ecstatic about this. Now, I don't think that Jawan Howell is coming back. It'll be very interesting. I saw on Twitter that he posted he had a he had a um, an offer to go to University of South Carolina. Now, that's when things get tricky because a lot of times when you see that on the table, oh, yeah, he's gone, right? The, the, the SEC came a call and he's done. But at the same time, I think that if I'm not mistaken, and I don't feel like I am, Isaiah Land had a couple of Power 5 offers on the table in the transfer portal. And the thing about Howell is <clears throat> he's young. He's really young enough to go somewhere and sit. Like, that's the that's the thing, is it depends on what his mentality is. If I were him, I'm, I'm not going anywhere to sit. I'm not. If I if I get a bunch of, of uh, offers for places that I'm going to have to sit down, I'm probably just going to stay at South Carolina State because I've seen the ball enough. I've seen enough carries to know what it's like to get action in college. I wouldn't want to go sit down. He's young enough to be able to do that. He's a, a true sophomore. He could redshirt. I don't think he could redshirt. I don't think that's how it works unless it's injured. I think you can only redshirt just decide to on your freshman year. So he's young enough to be able to go and be like, oh, I'm going to sit for my sophomore year and then play my junior and senior year. That's logical. He could do it, but I, I don't think that I would. And he's been in a crowded back room. I mean, backfield. So maybe Howell is a little bit more particular about the situation that he's going to go into. It'll be It'll be interesting to see. If he goes to one of these bigger schools, if he does, I'm wishing him the best. I think he's extremely talented. And I think that with more carries, he can even show how talented that he is. So it'll be interesting. But they got enough running backs in the room like I did or like I discussed on a couple of episodes ago. But they got enough running backs in the room to make up for his departure. But I think that his return will be crazy. And with Chinnis Berry, it would elevate South Carolina State and their ability to run the ball to a whole nother level. Speaking of a whole nother level, UAPB has taken it there because they just, for the first time in school history, knocked off a Power 5 team, and Zay Green and the women's basketball squad are the ones that did it. We'll, uh, we'll evaluate not just this game, but their week of action as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, and Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. It's the place that you need to be. It's the place that all of my friends are. Every single day, I'm seeing new Prize Picks. The other day, somebody bet on Derek Carr fantasy points. I wouldn't have done that, and I'm wearing a Saint shirt as we speak. But it's okay because we live and we learn. We live and we learn, and sometimes Prize Picks allows you to do that with kind of a 
no worries type of of entry where if you win you make your money if you lose no harm no foul and i love that according to uh or not according to in addition to the no the the taco tuesday the the if the player gets hurt we're not going to count your entry against you they have certain protections that allow you to feel like you know what you're talking about but if something happens unexpected you're not you're not hurt by it right you're not you're not uh you're not receiving the consequences of it. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. See if you know what you're talking about. Two to six entries. You pick the more or the less on each one and then see if you can make your money. That's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day, every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. UAPB just got their first ever win over a power five school. And we've seen a couple of these upsets throughout the year. And I know we talked about upsets, but this is an upset, right? I don't think anybody's denying that. Um, We've seen a good amount of these, and I've kind of just skipped over them because it's football season and we got enough football things to talk about. And I don't want to miss something that's actively going on for um the out of conference. I just I'm a football guy, right? So like that's just just what it is. But this one felt a little different. This one felt a little bit different from the others. And I kind of grouped them together and said, Hey, we're seeing a lot of big schools fall to HBCUs this year. And I love it. Right. So I've seen that. And I've discussed about how money games of basketball are different than money games of football and how the disparity is clearly different. I kind of looped all of those games into one, but this is the first time that we isolate because Zay green university of Arkansas at pine bluff, they knocked off the university of Arkansas. And it was a, it is a big deal. Isn't it? it was, it was yesterday. Right. This happened just on Sunday. And it's really the culmination of a big week of action. They had three games in a week. Uh, they knocked off two of those teams. One was SMU. One was University of Arkansas. And Zay Green looked great in both of them. Zay Green is showing, <clears throat> excuse me, is showing why she was a preseason swag player of the year going into last season before she was injured and basically missed the whole year. Like this is the player that we thought we were going to see for UAPB last year. And she's showing up in a way that makes the golden lions really dangerous in 2023 going into 2024. So let's look at Zay green because right now she leads the swag in points, rebounds, assists, And in this game in particular, these two games in particular, SMU and Ole Miss, she really showed the potential. She really showed the expectations that we had of her going into last season. So she had against Ole Miss 23 points, nine assists, eight rebounds. Against University of Arkansas, she had 21 points, four assists, eight rebounds. So I've already told you that she leads the SWAT in points, rebounds, and assists. She also adds a couple of steals. It was against Arkansas that I think she had three steals. I forgot to write in my notes, but I believe it was against University of Arkansas. She had three steals in addition to this. She's a multifaceted player. She's top 10 in the conference in steals right now per game. So Zay Green is a walking bucket. She does the other parts of the game, whether that's rebounding, uh, facilitating playmaking, right, and then also defensive prowess. Like, this is just a player who 
kind of is all around. She's been helped by Karai Beck. Like these are, this is dangerous. This feels like a team that is heating up. And when it gets to conference play, you need to watch out. This feels like a team that you need to circle. You need to watch for their games against Jackson State, right? I'll be I'll be excited to see the first game between <clears throat> UAPB's Lady Lions and then also Jackson State. Like that'll be something that's extremely exciting to me. I don't want to do this right now, but I will watch. I think at the end of the year, before we go into conference play, so basically the start of January, I think that's when the MEAC starts their conference play as well. At the or the beginning of January, excuse me. I think at the beginning of the January, beginning of January, the end of the year, I might go back and just look and count up all of the big schools that lose. Right. The reason I wanted to highlight SMU in this is because Power Five ain't Power Five in basketball. Like SMU shares a conference with the University of Houston, and that's a power school. Might not be in a Power Five, but it's in a power school. So that AAC, not the ACC, but the AAC is not a power five conference. But in basketball, it's a little bit different. You have really talented teams that don't come from there all the time. So I wanted to just look at big schools. I might go and I count how many HBCUs have victories. Not how many HBCUs because, like, they have two. So they'll go two in the column. But how many HBCU victories we have in this out-of-conference schedule over some of the bigger schools? Because it feels like it's more than last year but I'll count it up at the end of the out-of-conference schedule. This will be something that will be very interesting to watch. So make sure that you stay in tune to that on tomorrow's episode. Unless Grambling hires a coach, I'll be looking at why I approve of Miles Crawley being a part of the Grambling coaching committee, trying to find who their next coach is going to be. So make sure you're checking that out. Hopefully they don't hire anybody in the meantime. But in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.